incredibly excited for what we we got accomplished. You know, we set a vision when we got here for what we want this team to look like. And ultimately, with the help of this great staff, this coaching staff, this personnel staff, everybody involved, I think we were able to accomplish our vision. Incredibly grateful to everybody who took part in this process. It was a long process, a long day, uh, but you know, we're, again, we're really excited for what we added. Welcome to night number three of the NFL Draft here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode number one forty-four. My name is Jay Nelson. I'm usually the producer guy behind the scenes and throwing in your anecdotes, but I get to lead in the main chair here tonight. And uh, on the phone tonight, I have. Tatum Everett here with the Minnesota Vikings Entertainment Network. Tatum, how are you doing here at the back end of the draft? Yeah, Jay, you're in charge for for the well, it's been a while, you said. This is exciting. I'm I'm happy to join you. Happy thank you for holding on the ship back at TCO Studios. Yeah, everyone's in trouble with me running the the helm here on this one. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna have a little fun here tonight and just kind of wrap up a very long but exciting NFL draft here and it's been a, a lot of movement, a lot of new faces that will be here in the building, but we're all really excited about uh, what's about to happen. So um, just overall for you, think about the fact you were in Las Vegas a couple days ago, and here we are at the back end of the draft already. We're already at the end of April, beginning of May, when the exciting stuff starts happening here in the building. Yeah, and it's kind of funny to think when you put it that way. I really wasn't thinking about how like fast the turnaround has really been like when you're in the midst of it, you feel like it's taking forever to get to your next pick. And now we're here and it's all over and you're like, wait, I'm sorry, what happened? We have how many new players? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been really exciting to see. I mean, going into this, we really didn't know exactly how Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell would handle their first draft together uh, their first draft as GM and head coach. And so I think some things that, you know, at least we learned from this draft that we'll be able to maybe make predictions on or, you know, look forward a little bit to their style would be um, something that I think they really talked about before going into this and it's finding value where you can. And I know every draft and the way that the players are ranked and the talent level, every draft dictates a different strategy. But for this one, where there was so much talent on that top end, and then you could get more value lower, you can see Quasi really tried to capitalize that, making 11 total trades in this entire day. So, you know, we saw the big one on the first day, we saw one on the second day, and then today was just a whole maneuvering process. But overall, um, I thought it was a really interesting strategy, and I think that they knew exactly who they wanted. Maybe it wasn't where they were on all of your mock drafts or the experts mock drafts, but at the end of the day, that's who was high on their board. Kwesi also addressed that here a little bit, just a little bit ago at the end of the the draft here when he just kind of gave his overview of day three and then thoughts, you know, the reporters were asking him kind of, what was it like running your official first draft here? And he said, you know, of all the years of sitting in the different draft rooms and just seeing what it was like for the different teams when he was associated in those rooms and you're just kind of, you know, watching them do their thing and you're kind of giving your own personal thoughts internally about, well, I would do it this way and do it that way. He said, you know, the idea of kind of the the immediacy and the punctuality of this thing was something that was a little different than than he was used to. So he said he kind of lost a little sleep here over the weekend just trying to figure out how we were going to maneuver this thing. But uh, it sounded like he was pretty happy with the way everything went so far. Yeah, I think I think he even joked. He was like, I, uh, I know I seem like I'm not excited right now, but I think it's just a mixture of <laughs> exhaustion 
and being up for so long worrying about this. I mean, if you think about it, even when you make when you make the biggest decisions in your life, you're probably losing a little sleep over it. So knowing the pressure and knowing that they needed to, you know, make things happen now, because like they said, it's, it's not a rebuild here. They're thinking of just plug and play. And so they need players that will make immediate impacts and also fit the vision that they're wanting to implement here and with the Vikings. Think about the roller coaster he's been on too, because he's literally been on the job for just around three months. And so oh, in that time frame between he and Kevin O'Connell, I mean, especially for O'Connell, literally coming off of the Super Bowl parade route <laughs> yeah. to hop on a plane and then come here and try to set everything up for basically this weekend, let alone free agency. These two guys have been at it for three months straight. And I think once they finally get to this point and and are able to kind of start really looking at the roster of the free agents they brought in, the rookies they've got here, and not to mention even the undrafted free agents that are about to hit the market here very soon once the draft is officially over. There's a lot of work that still has to be done in the next couple weeks, but it's all going to lead up to that rookie minicamp here in two weekends. And so it's got to be exhausting yet fun for those guys to finally see things really coming out of the clouds and and coming into clarity for them. Yeah, you got to think it's like something similar to – like a big project at work or you you're an architect and you finish a building or something where you where you see the months of hard work that you put in like you said over the last few months or whatnot and all the scouts and everybody in the building and then you're like okay so you take a step back and you're like these are my 10 guys out of all that we got this and so you start to move from there and it's got to be a pretty satisfying feeling um Jay, I really thought it was interesting because, you know, we went into this draft thinking, okay, so we know there's a lot of need on the defensive side of things, corner, edge. Then you pick up a safety. Then you pick up a linebacker. And now you're like, okay, so what else are we going to get? And today was a little bit – it kind of evened the balances a little bit, ending the draft with 10 players and now five on offense and five on defense. And it felt like, you know, everything on the front end was a little more of of defensive heavy. You know, that was kind of the – talking point after day two was saying you guys went and and got some really top tier talent here defensively and then what was going to happen on day three and like you said we ended out with a perfect balance of you know five offense five defense here uh you snagged a guard a running back an offensive tackle wide receiver and tight end on the offense and then defensively you had the number one pick was a safety you also snagged two cornerbacks a linebacker and a defensive tackle in this draft so that balance of 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 looking for some of these different guys to fill in and looking for depth positions and looking for people to be able to compete for potential starting positions. I think they did a really good job of balancing that. We talk about these 10 players they found. They went into the draft with eight picks. Yeah. So not only were they able to kind of maneuver around the board, but they added two extra names and two extra guys to camp when that comes around, which I think is is pretty cool. For those of you who didn't necessarily have time to fully pay attention to what was going on here day three, I'll do a quick recap here of the the talent and the players that we were able to pull in. Uh, fourth round pick was uh, cornerback Caleb Evans. He's out of Missouri, but he had originally started for four years. He played at Tulsa and then finished his last season there at Missouri. He looks like another guy that's nice and long. Uh, he's the guy that Quasey was basically saying when he's watched film kind of doing some deeper dives on different people that were available. This was a guy that really caught his eye and was somebody that they were really excited that they were able to snag here on day three. 
Evans likes to play press man coverage. They ran a cover three at Missouri, a cover two at Tulsa. So he, he knows the game very well. But what I thought was really interesting, Jay, is when I found an article about him during this draft coverage where the cornerback that he idolizes is Patrick Peterson. He just says he loves the way he conducts himself, that it's his role model, that it's physical and his tech, he's physical and his technique is clean and it's somebody that he would love to pick his brain. So I just thought the really cool moment that, you know, not only is this kid getting a chance to play at the ultimate level in football, but now he's playing with someone that he looks up to. And I, I just think that could be really beneficial for both of them. And I think that's kind of a, a, a interesting idea, even just for the secondary. If you think about you have veterans in Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith that these young people can come in and learn from. And I think it's going to be a really interesting and fun to see if, you know, how much of a sponge these different players are walking in these rooms with these proven veterans and potential future Hall of Famers. So in the fifth round, the Vikings ended up staying with one of the hometown products, defensive end from the University of Minnesota, a redshirt senior with pick number 165, Asezi Otomewo as defensive end. And I think he's a guy that I think a lot of the locals especially will be excited to see him switch over from maroon and gold to purple and gold here for the Minnesota Vikings. And you nailed that pronunciation, just like our UK Vikings fan Adam Lothar did. He won a contest through the organization to be flown to the draft. It was only a second time in the United States, and he made the announce the pick that day, and that is the name he has to say, and he nailed it. I was like, man, if that was me up there, I can barely say it on a podcast, let alone in front of like millions of people who are watching. I was going to say, it's an amazing name at the same point. When, when you get that name on that card, I'm sure the guy had to kind of do a little bit of a double take going, okay, I got to get this one right. Yeah, because he might be the enti- get away with it a little bit because of an accent. I was going to say, literally <laughs> the entire world is watching him do this to make sure yeah. don't screw this one up. So no, I, th- yeah. I think it'll be great. He was an honorable mention in the All Big Ten Conference this year in 2021. So I think think he's another guy that when we were talking about bringing in guys that were longer leaner pass rushers I think he's going to be a guy that's going to fit in on that defensive line and in that room and it's going to be fun to see just how he jumps out the way he did here at the University of Minnesota for sure I think they expect him to be a five technique in that three four scheme which obviously as we learned last season depth at d-line is about as as a important as cornerback and so to see him be added there he has good size good playmaking ability but i i know that there's a lot to work with there and i hope i'm really excited to see defensive line coach chris rump kind of take him over and and use him as his first real like project in here in minnesota because obviously we have so many other guys that are already established but this will be his pick and so he'll be able to kind of make his mark on him and, and, and learn. And, and it says he's going to be able to, you know, learn from guys like Daniil Hunter and, and et cetera. So it's pretty cool. So our other fifth round pick that uh, happened within the Las Vegas Raiders trade that we had made, it was running back Ty Chandler at number 169 overall. He's a running back out of North Carolina. He was a second team all ACC in his accolades. And one of the things that was interesting about him is, you know, I was watching some of his highlights and what you saw was them use him almost flaring out of the backfield and then catching stuff running down the sideline. And this guy looks like he has the ability to potentially be really dynamic uh, out of the backfield in multiple areas. And I think he's going to be somebody that's going to be fun to watch just to see how they scheme to potentially use him there on offense. Yeah, I think fans were excited to see a running back off the board. Everyone loves Alexander Madison, but he's in a contract year needing to prove himself. And Ty Chandler comes in here with a lot to prove. You know, I know that the kickoff job 
technically right now is Kanae's and, and rightfully so as one of the most dynamic kick returners, uh, kickoff returners right now. However, Ty Chandler was really, really good when he was at Tennessee as a kickoff returner. Um, you know, I wish Gabe was, was, uh, wasn't, you know, busy today because we could, you know, trash talk some Tar Heel stuff. But let me tell you, Ty Chandler at Tennessee, that's where I remember him as. I mean, I know that he transferred out and played for, for UNC, but uh, when I was in Nashville covering the Vols, uh, he, Ty Chandler is from Nashville. And so he's a guy that I've, I've watched. He's very fast. He has great hands. And he, like, has career records at UT for kickoff returns. So I'm not sure, like, if he's ever done I – don't, I don't believe he's ever done punt returning in college. But as a kickoff return, he could def- – kickoff returner, I expect him to be an option at least in case – you know, I mean, last year Kinnate did battle injuries, and hopefully that's in the past. One of the things for him, just and this was purely an eye test thing for me, but when I was watching him for uh, Vikings fans that have been around for a little bit, he just – the eye test looked to me a little Jarek McKinnon like, and he was a guy that was a little bit smaller, but man, was he shifty. And, and, you know, he went on to go play for the Niners and I believe he's in Kansas city now, but he was a guy that when he was with the Vikings, we had Latavius Murray was kind of your, your bruiser uh, type guy. And then Jarek was a guy that was a little bit more of a shifty uh, scat back type guy. And I think maybe Ty Chandler might fit that role here on the Vikings. If he does get a crack at the offense. Well, that wraps up all of the fifth-round picks, all two of them. We moved into the sixth round where we also had two picks. And with pick number 184, we drafted tackle Vidarian Lowe. He's a 6'5", 314-pound tackle. And I think his off-the-field accolades are about just as impressive as his on-field accolades, Jay. There's been a lot of stories that we're talking about kind of his background and everything. And he's already he's married. He has two sons and he's also has legal guardianship of his 14 year old brother in since 2021. And so this is a guy that's coming in here with kind of different priorities than I think a lot of people that are coming out of college where they're kind of trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? How is this going to go? This is a guy who definitely has had to grow up quickly. And it seems like he's going to be coming in here with a little different motivation, a little different story. And I think being a sixth round pick and then having all this other stuff that's going on within his life and his priorities, what looks like his priorities straight, um, it's going to be fun to, to see him come in here and, and get his shot with the Minnesota Vikings, just see how he takes advantage of it. Vidarian seems like he's going to fit in really well in that offensive line room. He was a finalist for the Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year Award and on a leadership board at Illinois and has really impressed former NFL head coach Levy Smith, who's now the head coach of the Illini. So it's a guy that I think definitely checks all those boxes. But he also checks the box off of where I've noticed a lot of these players have a theme where they have played a lot of college ball. It seems like a lot of the players in this draft class are multiple year starters and Vidarian is, you know, right right there with them. He started in a school record 52 games while at Illinois. And so I think he's just someone who has a lot of potential, a lot of uh, game experience that they really feel they can help develop and be such a vital part in that line rotation. And I even remember, you know, playing football with some guys that were seniors 
at the time they were they had gotten married as you know between their junior and senior year of college they were getting ready starting families looking at their future careers and those kind of things and as somebody who was a freshman coming in trying to figure out what is this college thing let alone having people that were basically you know having adulthood in the middle of college it was just something you could see they carried themselves a little bit differently and i think a guy like this he's going to be somebody that's going to come in here and i think he's going to make an impact because he's just in that offensive tackle room, he's not starting from kind of scratch, in my opinion. He's starting from a, a point of walking in knowing this is who I am. These are my priorities. These are the things that I find important. And I'm I'm going to take full advantage and do whatever needs to happen in that room in order to take advantage of his, his shot here. So I, I'm I'm just impressed by the fact that this guy has so many accolades and so many things within his life that have been pointed out so far. I'm really curious to see him get in the building and just see, you know, more information and and more interviews with him to see what he has to say Um, to round out the rest of the sixth round here at pick number 191 wide receiver Jalen Naylor from Michigan State was brought in by by Kwesi and Kevin. And I think this guy is really interesting, too, because you brought up with Ty Chandler yeah. the potential for special teams. Kwesi even mentioned in his presser, this is a guy that that he's kind of looked at with something more than just potentially wide receiver. So I think between Ty Chandler and then wide receiver Jalen Naylor, I think these two guys are going to be guys they're going to look at immediately walking in the door as people to potentially jump in, not only on kick return, but possibly punt return as well. Do you think it's because his nickname is Speedy that we think so? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's like, hey, that's a good place to start from. If your nickname Speedy. A He's a state champion sprinter. Exactly. A, a speedy guy named Speedy. So, yeah, he had a 4-5 in the 40, and I agree with you. I think this is a purely a special teams move right off the back. It'll just be like most sixth round receivers where you get in the building, you prove that you deserve an opportunity and a chance and a roster spot, and then you make the most of it. And how do you make that happen in the beginning? Special teams. So it, it's the same old age formula uh, that, that seems to work for so many, and it, it'll be up to him where it goes from here. You know, one of the things that was really uh, jumped out to me too is we've now had a couple of guys that ran 4-3 at the combine, you know, 4-3 numbers. And uh, I think these guys were going with that speed oriented quickness, especially for these yeah. these these, um, you know, purely offensive playmakers. And so I, I think like the idea, you, you know, talk about him being a sprinter, too. You have a guy like Dan Chisena, who is also a, a, a sprinter at Penn State. And we saw how we used him for gunning as a gunner on special teams as well. Maybe that's something they look at Naylor if he doesn't have a return uh, role, then maybe they're looking at him too to be one of those guys that's going to be a huge disruptor, just sprinting down the field, trying to do what they can to disrupt the other team's punt returners. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they end up, you know, penciling him in and trying to use him here right away. Uh, to finally round out the Vikings draft for 2022, seventh round pick was tight end Nick Muse out of South Carolina. Uh, he was number 227 overall. He's interesting, too, because he has a brother who's playing in the league. He also mentioned that uh, he played with DJ Wanham at South Carolina, so there's a little bit of a tie there. And that uh, DJ Wanham's brother is actually a good friend of his on the offensive line there at South Carolina. So I think Nick Muse is going to be another guy as a tight end coming in here. That was a, a, a place that we had pointed to saying we need more depth at that position, and I'll be curious to see what he's uh, slated to do once he gets here in the building. 
say I'm a little low-key excited about the underratedness of this pick. He was the eighth-best tight end in this draft class, which I know isn't saying a lot, but he has a lot of downfield ability, and I was watching some film of him not only at the Shrine Bowl but just throughout the season, and he's not afraid to do the dirty work. He's not afraid to be the blocking tight end, to get there in special teams and make a difference. And so I think he has all of the the mindset and the selflessness to really make an impact in ways that, you know, may not jump off on the stat sheet, but that can really make an impact in what Kevin O'Connell plans to run in this offensive scheme. Full disclosure, at the time of this recording for this podcast as well, we do not have a finalized list or we do not have the list of the undrafted free agents that will be coming out here later this evening and into tomorrow as well. The amount of players that we're going to see round out the rest of the rookie roster coming from that as well in a place like tight end, I would assume there's going to be another tight end or two that's going to show up on that list. There usually is. Just in general, Tatum, I think with the 10 players that we selected and all of the moves that we made, the 11 trades with 10 players selected, how do you feel <laughs> balance-wise as far as addressing some of those different things that have been talked about for the last couple of months as needs for this team? I do think that we address a lot of needs. I think um, the cornerback need is there. You, adding two was a smart move. Um, it's good to see that a lot of these guys, though, even from like the corner safety linebacker, those four guys uh, that we have drafted in those positions, they all seem also like hybrid style players. I think we talked about that a lot in yesterday's day two podcast where we could see scene and and booth and move around a lot. We could see Asamoah also moving around there. and 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 so I really do think that as much as we don't know about this defense and what exactly it's going to look, these four players kind of tell you that they're looking for those speed, size, smart guys that can take on a few different hybrid roles within this 3-4 scheme that Ed Donatella is about to run. Um, as far as addressing needs moving forward, I still think there are probably some offensive pieces that we – We'll see coming in there. I could see maybe another running back in the mixture, another wide receiver, and, of course, as you said, tight end. You know, seeing just two of those weapon skill positions being in there, I think that we might see some more on those undrafted lists because uh, I think Kevin O'Connell will want a few more toys to play with. And, and, as, and I do understand, like, we have a pretty good offense right now and a lot of those roles are set. But I do think that, you know, competition breeds quality, and, and I think that's where they'll go for sure. One of the things that always comes from those undrafted free agents as well is the idea of they, they end up stacking a bunch of people that are offensive linemen, especially you're just looking. They, they took an offensive tackle and they took a guard. I would assume they're going to be looking for other guys that are also guards and centers and tackles. Um, on top of that, then, you know, we took a linebacker and we took a D tackle. There, there was no pure pass rush defensive lineman that was taken at this point um you know you're looking for defensive ends or edge rushers and that kind of uh skill set so i'm sure there's going to be a bunch of people that they're going to be making phone calls with on that level as well 
it just feels like you know they they really did try to address the need for depth in the secondary with that safety corner corner pick and then they did grab a linebacker but i would assume they're going to be looking for edge and and additional linebacker help as well so it just feels like yeah it was it was a very balanced draft but it it started defensive heavy with major playmakers that way and on day 3 here they kind of even things out um, going into the next couple of weeks are some key dates that fans are going to want to know about in two weekends. So basically May 13th and 14th, that is rookie mini camp here for your Minnesota Vikings. That is going to be very exciting to see all of the different selections and all of the different people that they bring in from un- undrafted free agency to come in and help fill out those rosters. So it's going to be fun to see who stands out. That was where you started to get your taste in the past of an Adam Thielen jumping out or a Stefan Diggs jumping out. Even back in the day, Percy Harvin jumping out at practice. Tatum, is. I know you love to cover this kind of stuff. Is this something that you're looking forward to? And what would you look forward to the most covering rookie minicamp? Very much so. But to be honest, I'm just so excited to start. I really don't want to repeat what you said, but it's, you hit the nail on the head because there are so many careers that come out of being an undrafted free agent or rookie minicamp that makes you excited to see when the veterans start getting blended in there. And I'm excited to see this new coaching staff at work. I think even from a facility standpoint, it's going to be great to see how the players and coaches interact with each other off the field as well, how they, you know, how they treat each other, how they communicate and things like that. So I'm excited to kind of just see the whole process evolve because you really start to root for these guys when you get to know them a little bit better and I'm excited to see who those you know standouts will be at camp and the best part for people like you that cover this and for even people within the building is just getting to see new people new new abilities to help the team itself and just to see what not only the general manager, but the new head coach and all of the coaching staff are going to kind of unveil here a little bit with the playbook and to get a real feel and sense of what this team is going to be for 2022 with the complete new look. Um, the other thing, too, is you've got OTAs coming up here through May. The weekends, 16, 17, and 19 is OTAs 1 through 3. The following week, then, is the 23rd, 24th, 26th. And then the back end of May through June 3rd are the final OTAs 7 through 9. And then we get into June 7th through the 9th with mandatory minicamp. That is when things start to feel really real. I am really hoping at this point over the month of May, the weather gets a little bit better and people are a little more excited to be outside running through these drills and everything. But for me, that's always the, the fun part here now is that you go from the theoretical of what might be to what is. And I think between rookie minicamp, OTAs coming up, and then mandatory minicamp looking ahead, that is when things get really, really exciting for us and for the fan base. Yeah, but also, Jay, I think one thing I am really pumped about is that schedule release comes out in May. And I know May is just around the corner, so we're a couple weeks away. And I am very, very excited to see where we're headed, where, like, what this, what, how the lay of the land is, and, and see how we're stacked up, how many primetime games we get. Will that change now that we have a new head coach? All the things the NFL considers as part of the decision-making process and where to place our games, I'm just ready to see that. And the NFL was already teasing it on NFL.com, talking about the fact that international games will be announced next Wednesday, I believe, and then the following week after that, right before rookie minicamp on that 12th of May is when the NFL schedule will officially be released. That is 
always an interesting time, not only for the players and coaches to kind of look ahead a little bit. And I know for them, it's a little bit more of a week to week basis, but for a lot of the staff and people too, that's when we tend to look at it and say, okay, what's the rest of my, the the back end of my year going to be here for work and what kind of (laughs) things can we look forward to? What weekends, what games are we going to get pumped and excited for covering and for being able to provide for the fans there at us bank stadium. So this is always the the fun and exciting time of year where it starts to get really real. And uh, it's kind of weird. There was always a chunk of time where we would sit there and look at it, too, and say, do you want to hit the fast forward button or do you just want to soak it all in throughout the rest of the, the summer? I know for us, we want to be able to have the summer, but there's always the anticipation of, yeah, yeah, let's get through the workout stuff and let's get to the the training camp when you really start to see people flourish and, and to see the excitement of football being back in the building. So. We're going to pump the brakes a little bit here. We're only getting to May, but we are, are we are just finishing the draft. It's the exciting time of year when things are starting to get real. Uh, anything else you want to wrap up here for podcast number 144 with the NFL draft? No, I just want to say, like, what a successful draft so far. I think there was a lot of agony back and forth, but in Quasi, we trust right now. And I'm just excited to see how this pans out. Um, it was a fun experience. Vegas was such a great backdrop for this draft to get all the NFL fans excited. Being there on the first day, I think Vikings had the most fans there, and I'm not just saying that because I worked for the team, but I really did feel like that. And so um, it was just great to see all the representation and and to, to feel like we're really starting up a, a full, fully normal season so far. And I just you know, I have high hopes for this situation and can't wait to get things rolling. So now here's my question with a little bit of a Sophie's choice for you. Would you rather go back to Las Vegas for the NFL draft or would you rather them have it to do it in New Orleans where you could go back home and see a lot of people that you like? Wow, that's a good one. Um, I I do. I think what I think what I, to answer your question without, you know, being a homer, I think it is cool to have a rotation. Yeah, that way it does give fans in these NFL cities who don't want to travel for the draft, a chance to be at a draft. And so, you know, if, if it goes like it's going to Kansas city and then it's Detroit and it's been in Chicago, Philly, Nashville, Dallas, now Vegas, I mean, Cleveland, I mean, though, all, as, as long as it rotates, I think that could be just pretty cool. And I am partial to new Orleans and it could be a really cool draft. Um, I was telling a lot of people this week, though, like the difference between Vegas and Nashville was I thought that Nashville felt very like homey. They were able to like stick it in between the streets and fans were on the roofs and it looked bigger. And Vegas was just like that glamour, that neon light spread out and that vibe. And so I think it is kind of cool that whenever the draft goes there, it just kind of takes on the personality of the city. And so to see one in New Orleans or Seattle or, gosh, I don't even know, like Miami would be cool. I mean, there would just be, there's just so many great NFL cities for the draft to be in. And I think that could be something really cool. And it sounds like they're trying to do that from from what I gather. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's a great celebration of football for the entire country to be able to showcase these great cities that have these teams. I think Kansas City next year, that there's a lot of fun to be had in Kansas City. And I think... They will wholeheartedly embrace it. They love their Chiefs and they love the NFL, and it's nice and centrally located here in the United States too. So I think Kansas City ought to put their best foot forward. I'm looking forward to see what they do, especially if they're going to end up utilizing you know places like the Power and Light District and that kind of stuff too. So 
Oh, uh, yeah. Looks like this Las Vegas one look great. Yeah, I think this Las Vegas one has gone off pretty, you know, pretty great without a hitch. Lots of interesting backdrops, you know, lots of lots of stuff going on there in this in the, on the strip, and it's been fun to see even just how NFL Network and ESPN have embraced it too, just with some of their locations. So it's been great. I'm glad you got a chance to get out there, and thank you for all your coverage. It was great for fans. Also, pay attention to Vikings.com, all our social media channels. YouTube, there's a ton of great highlights that are going on with this stuff too. Tatum and Gabe had a lot of great interviews and one-on-ones that happened this weekend. So there's so much coverage and it's going to continue here, especially leading up to Rookie Minicamp. So just pay attention to Vikings.com, all our social media channels. Thank you again, Tatum, for joining this afternoon. And for Gabe Henderson this weekend as well, we had uh, Ron Johnson and Pete Bursich as well. Uh, last night, they were all wonderful and we always love doing these these post-draft podcasts. So Thank you again for tuning in, and we will check you later this week.